You know, I want to I want to share something with you this morning that's actually very simple, but it's also extremely complicated. Okay, so you're all very intelligent, clever people here this morning, yeah? You see, I'm going to talk to you about something called the Bride of Christ. Uh, the Bride of Christ is the thing that God shows in the Bible, which is a picture of his people, his church. Uh, so that's very simple, yeah? Uh, but it's also very complicated. Um, who knows that women are very simple but very complicated? Any men here? You ha- any men here who are married? Yes. Just raise your hand. Okay, marriage is very simple, but it's very complicated. Just when you think you understand your wife, you suddenly realize you don't really understand your wife. It's an eternal process. You are continually finding uh, new things about your bride. Now, I want us to read something this morning that's found in the New Testament book of Ephesians, the epistle, the letter to the church at Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. And I want us to read something from chapter 5, chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to start reading at verse 25. So if you can just follow along with me, please. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery But I am talking about Christ and the church. So here we find in God's word that God reveals to us that the relationship the church has with God is the same as that as a relationship between a man and his bride. Just think about that. In fact, the Bible's telling us that all this information about the relationship between a man and his bride is actually just a picture. The real reality that God is trying to show us is that we, the church, are the bride of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. He purchased us. We are his bride, the church. Now, if you ask someone, what is the church? chances are they wouldn't say she's a bride. They might give you lots of descriptions. They might give you lots of information, opinions of what they think the church is, of what they think the church should be. But actually, the only opinion that really matters is the opinion of God himself, because the church belongs to him. Would you agree with me? 
That's what God's words just told us. We've read that. It's very clear. You see, my, my wife is with me this morning. You may have an opinion about my wife. Actually, I don't care what your opinion is. Do you know why? She's not your wife. She's mine. And so I'm not really interested in anyone else's opinion about her. I'm only interested in my relationship with her. You see, the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. She's his wife. She's the one who belongs to Jesus. So we sort of really need to know the nature of that relationship. Because if we don't, we're going to get into big trouble. Husbands, if you don't understand the relationship between your bride, you're going to have a trouble marriage. Women, if you don't understand your relationship with your husband, you're going to be in trouble. Because that's the primary relationship that you have. That's your most important relationship. That's what you have. And so we are told in the Bible that we, the church, the people of God, are the bride of Jesus Christ. And it's not just here in Ephesians. You find it all the way through. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said the same thing. He says the church is an espoused bride given to Christ. And he did not want the church misunderstanding the nature of that relationship. He actually rebuked the Corinthian church. He told them that they were getting things wrong because they didn't understand that they were the bride of Christ. They thought they could do what they want. You know, when you're a bride, you can't do what you want. Hello? When, when you're a bride, you're, you, can't, you can't pretend you don't have a husband. You have a husband if you're a bride, or you shouldn't have got married. You, you decided to give yourself to someone else. When you become a Christian, you belong to the bride of Jesus Christ. You are in a covenant relationship. You've said, I want to belong to Jesus Christ. Do you know he's the best person to belong to anyway? You'll never find anyone as good as him. So you may as well make that choice. But this church had decided they, they could, the Corinthian church, they said, oh, we know we're the bride of Christ, but we can run around and do what we want anyway. No, you can't. You're going to end up in real trouble. And so God gives us this picture here that the church is the bride. Now think about this. Is that true? Is it real? Because throughout the Bible, if you've read the whole Bible, you will find that God keeps telling us about different brides. In the beginning of the Bible, it tells us how he created the first bride. You know, right at the end of the Bible, if you go to the book of Revelation, if you go to the final chapter of the final book, at the end of the Bible, the conclusion, you read chapter 22, you will find that Jesus has a bride right at the end. In fact, she's talking in the final words heard in the book of the Bible, the whole book. The final voice is Jesus speaking, saying, come, I am coming soon. And then it also says the spirit and the bride say, come, who's the bride? Well, she's at the end of time and she's talking and she's speaking to us. We've just been told who the bride is. The bride is the church of Jesus Christ. It's the people of God. Are you part of the bride of Christ? Because if you are, then you will behave like a bride. You see, a good bride behaves in a specific way, in a certain way. And we've just read there that the bride is a hidden mystery. It's the hidden 
mystery in the Bible that God wants us to understand. Who knows women are always a little bit of a mystery. Have you figured that out yet, men? Figure it out earlier rather than later. They're all... (laughs) They're always a little bit of a mystery. Just when you think you've figured out what they are, they suddenly surprise you and uh, they bring some new revelation. So we've got this mystery at the beginning of the Bible. We've got this mystery at the end of the Bible. Who's the bride? We've got this mystery in all the books of the Bible. Who's the bride? You know, even if you read the stories of the Old Testament, there's always a woman involved. There's always a woman that God needs. There's always a woman God wants to use. There's always a woman God wants to give a promise and make pregnant and bring fulfillment through. There's always a woman who's beautiful that God wants to pick, handpick and make his queen. What's God showing us? He's showing us you, us, his church. You see, God's always had a perfect man. He's called Jesus Christ. But God's plan is to have a perfect woman, the church. And God wants to give the perfect man a perfect bride. He didn't want to just create more angels. He didn't want to create more animals. He wanted to create something very special, very specific. He wanted to create something that was unlike anything else he'd ever created. So what did he do? Well, we can read what he did right back at the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. When God has created the heavens and the earth, he's created the land and the seas, he's created the animals, male and female, he created them. And then you read something very interesting. If you go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, listen to what God says here. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever he called each living creature... That was what it was named. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. I'm sure you've all read that story. I'm sure you've heard that story even as a child, the creation of Adam and Eve. But have you noticed something? God created all the animals, male and female. Yeah? Right at the beginning. So why did he create man without a female? Had God forgot? 
Had God not understood? Had God thought man doesn't need a woman? Why did then God say it's not good for man to be alone? Well, it was God that created everything. And God said everything was good. Day one, good. He created the animals, good. He created the vegetation, good. He created the animals, male and female, out of the ground, said it was good. And then he created man, no female. What? Why? What's God doing? Why would he do that? Well, the the only real reason can be this. When God wanted to create a bride for the perfect woman, he didn't want to create her out of the dust in the same way that he created everything else. He wanted to create her out of something different. Now, how was Adam created? God took the dust, but then it tells us he breathed the Holy Spirit into the man. So Adam now became a created being with God living in him. Only then did God decide to create the bride. The bride was not created out of the dust. She was created out of the life of God. Nothing else in creation was created that way. She was different to everything else. She wasn't dust. She was created out of her husband and the life of God. Can you see something here? God's showing us something very, very important, quite mysterious, quite mind-blowing. But the first bride was totally different to everything else on earth. She wasn't even made out of the earth. She was made out of God. What's God showing us? Remember what we've read, the mystery of the bride. God has a plan. God's plan wasn't to have a perfect man. He's always had a perfect man. It's his son, Jesus Christ. Holy, blameless, pure, spotless. Jesus Christ, God. But his plan is to have a perfect bride for his perfect son. That's where you come in. The greatest thought that God ever had was to create something so beautiful, so amazing, so mind-blowing, so beyond anything this universe could ever grasp, he decided he would create a bride for his son, the church of Jesus Christ. But in order to create this, he had to create it in a different way than everything else in creation. He couldn't just bend down and make the church out of dust. Couldn't do that. That's not good enough for his son. Not to be joined to his son. Not to be one with his son. Not to enjoy the perfection of his son. No, God would do something different. And he showed us the pattern there right in Genesis. How did the first man who was perfect before he blew it get his bride? His life had to be cancelled out. And while he was unconscious, his side was opened up. Blood and water would have poured out onto the ground. And God reached inside and took that which was the breath of God 
And he created a bride out of the already living life of a man possessed by God. And he created the woman. What's God doing? God's showing us the pattern of what his plan was all along. Because just as Adam, the son of God, the Bible tells us Adam was called the son of God. So Jesus, the true son of God, when he came to to get his bride, his life would also be taken out. He would die. And as he died on a cross, the Roman soldier at the cross took the spear and opened up his side and blood and water flowed out. And the Bible tells us that when Christ died, we were in Christ. We were put in Christ. So that when Christ rose again, in Christ, we also rose again. Do you know that what God was doing was he was choosing you in Christ. You're not born of the dust. You are born of the Spirit of God from heaven. Listen, the church is not an organization, it's not a business, it's not a corporation, it is the bride of Christ, born by his spirit, inhabited by God himself, so that we can be brought to Jesus and made one by the spirit in Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that you are the greatest gift God has ever thought of giving to his son? You're the gift. The greatest gift a man ever receives is his bride. Now, his bride might bring him lots of other gifts, but she, hopefully, but she is the gift herself. Do you know that? Do you know that's why you're created? Do you know that's why you're born again? Do you know that's why God wants you to belong to his church? He wants to give you to his son so that together we can become this great mystery, this glorious thing called the bride. Do you know that's what you are? You've not come to a building today. You've not come to belong to a religious organization. You've not come to sign up to a newsletter or a, a, a group of people like some kind of religious country club. That's not, that's not what it is. You're called to be the bride of Christ. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Do you know how much he loves you? Do you know he was willing to lose his own life to get you? A true husband will always do that for his wife. Do you know he laid down his life so that you could belong to him? Do you know that is what God's plan was all along? Can you grasp how much you mean to him? Everything. Even that which is beyond life itself. Jesus died to obtain his bride just like Adam did in the beginning. What's your response to that? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of married women here. And I'm sure you love your husbands. I'm not so sure how many of your husbands actually died for you. Probably not many, if any. It it may be possible. Christ died for us. He loves us so much. This is what God's plan was all along. 
And so throughout the Bible, so there we've just read there in the beginning what we saw in Genesis. When you read the end of the Bible, you find that Jesus takes his bride. The end of the Bible, Revelation chapters 19, 21, and 22, the angels are saying, come, I will show you the bride. And the bride is speaking. And God is saying, this is what the plan of all creation was. Everything revolved around me getting a bride for my son. And she's not created in the same way of the earth. She's very special. God lives in her. She has the breath of God, the life of God, the spirit of God living in her. The angels don't understand that. Have you figured that out? The angels just go, what? What is that? God lives in her. She's his bride. And so you find throughout the Bible, every book of the Bible really Every book of the Bible, all 66 books, show you the mystery of the bride. And so all the way through the story of the Bible, you will probably find the same thing happening over and over again. There's a man, but he needs a wife. His wife can't have children. His wife's barren. His wife needs a miracle. His wife needs to come to him. The wife needs to be found. She's usually very beautiful. You find this story repeated all the way through the Bible. Why is God repeating the story all the way through the Bible? By the way, Hollywood movies repeat the same formula. Because it's the story that we all know is the true story. You know, there's no such thing as a Hollywood movie where there's not some romance where the, the, the prince is coming for the princess or the guy is coming to get the bride. And, and that's why we all love this story. Why do we all love the same story over and over again? Women, why do you like watching those chick flicks that are the same story of every other story you've ever seen? It's the same story. You can tell what's going to happen. The bad guy's going to get killed. The good guy's going to get the woman in the end. You know that at the beginning of the film, but you still watch it. I, I, I just can't do with them. My wife likes them. What are watching this for? The princess gets saved in the end. Whether it's Star Wars or Beauty and the Beast or Cinderella or whatever it is, it's always the same story. In the Bible, you find the same story repeated over and over and over again. Abraham has a bride. She's called Sarah. Isaac has a bride. She's called Rebecca. Jacob has a bride. She's called Rachel. Have you noticed in each story, the woman is having difficulty having the miracle to bear children? Have you noticed that they always have the same problem? The husband can have children, but the wife can't. You see, God has created us so that we have to rely on him to do the miracle in us so the life of God can flow through us so we can be fruitful for God. And the husband, whether it's Abraham, what did Abraham do? He tried another woman. You remember the story? His wife couldn't bear children, so he tried impregnating another woman, Hagar, and then he birthed Ishmael, and God says, I'm not going to bless that. Why didn't he bless Ishmael? Because he came through someone who wasn't the bride. And you see, God loves his bride, his true people, his church. He doesn't want slaves. He wants people he loves, who he has handpicked to belong to himself. 
And so what happens is they have to learn to rely on God so that the bride can birth the life of the next generation so fruitfulness and miracle and healing and blessing can come if they understand that it comes through the bride. Have you learned yet, unless you accept your church to be blessed, you won't be blessed? Have you learned that lesson? When God saves you, he puts you in his church. He puts you in his bride. It's not about you getting what you want. It's about God's will being done through his church. So that together we can birth the things that God wants us to birth. And so throughout the Bible, God is on this search looking for the perfect woman. He even gave the prophecy right back in Genesis when Satan Deceive the woman, Satan is always out to harm the woman. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that in society? Have you noticed that in the world? Satan hates women, do you know that? Have you ever wondered why he hates women? Have you ever wondered why evil religions always degrade the woman? Make her cover up and abuse her? Because Satan hates the woman. Because the woman is a picture of the church of Jesus Christ and Satan hates the church of Jesus Christ. So he wants to destroy it. But God said right back at the beginning to Satan, the seed of the woman will crush your head. The life that comes out of the church will destroy all the power of Satan. Do you know that? You see, you can't defeat Satan. There's only two things that can defeat Satan. Jesus Christ and his bride. I will build my church the gates of hell will not prevail against her. The seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. When Jesus is dwelling in his church, flowing through his church, Satan has no power over his church. God will never allow Satan to oppress his bride. She belongs to him. He won't let her prevail, be prevailed against by Satan. So God is always looking for this perfect woman all the way through the Bible. Think about it, all the stories in the Bible. They're always looking for a beautiful woman. Esther, Ruth, Rebecca, Rachel. They're always Sarah. They're looking for the beautiful woman. Can we find the beautiful woman? The woman that God has handpicked to belong to the perfect man. Can we find her? Do you know God's looking for you today? Do you know God's searching for you today? Do you know God's looking for his perfect bride right now? He's calling, come, I have chosen you. I want you to belong to me. I've given my life for you. I've given everything I have for you. God is willing to purchase the bride. He will pay the ultimate price. Jesus even paid at the cost of his own blood so that you could belong to him. Who are these brides? You see, when you look at the Bible, when you read the, the genealogies, you know, have you ever read the genealogies? They're good to read if you're trying to get to sleep on a night. <laughs> Turn to the book of Numbers or Leviticus or the first chapter of Matthew and just read the lists of names. Yeah? Adam begot Seth. Seth begot... The, read, read. Abimelech begot Joshua or whatever. And you think, why is all that list there? Read the lists. Read the list in the first gospel of Matthew. You'll notice something very strange. Every so often, a woman's name crops up. 
Rahab, Tamar, Ruth, Bathsheba, Mary. Why do those names crop up? Remember what the Bible has already just told us. The women are a picture of the bride of Christ. We've just been told that. Have you noticed that these women in that list weren't originally very good women? Have you noticed that? Do you know they were all married to someone else before God chose them to belong to him? They were all widows. Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute in Jericho. Now that's not the kind of person that you would choose as the perfect bride for your son. Someone who lived in a bad city, in a bad town, in a bad community, from a bad uh, tribe. She was from the Canaanites. They were a tribe cursed by God himself. So they were from a cursed tribe. She was the wrong everything. And to cap it all off, she wasn't just from the wrong place, the wrong people, the wrong tribe. She was actually, her job was she ran a brothel. And she was the chief prostitute. Now my son got married two years ago. That isn't the place I went looking to get a bride for him. When my son came and said, Shall we, Dad, I want to get married, I didn't say, well, I'll take you down to the local brothel and I'll find one for you. <laughs> he found a beautiful wife, our daughter-in-law, and she was from our church. Why did God pick her? Why did God pick Tamar? She also acted like a prostitute. She was also a Canaanite. Why did God pick Ruth? Ruth was from the Moabites. Do you know the Moabite tribe was cursed by God? They were actually banned from going into God's presence. The Bible says that no Moabite was allowed to enter the presence of God. So why did God pick them? Do you know in that list of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the only women who are mentioned are immoral women? Why is God doing that? He's showing us something very important. It's not what you were. It's not who you used to belong to. It's not where you used to live. It's not what you used to do. It's not what your first husband was like, or your second husband, or your third husband. Or if like, like Rahab, you'd had so many men you couldn't even remember. It doesn't matter where you used to live, what you used to do, what your ethnicity is. It does not matter. The only thing that counts is are you going to belong to Jesus Christ? And you will notice that all these women... Although they were disqualified from receiving God's blessing, when they became brides of the tribe of Judah, the life of God entered them and they became God's brides. So much so that Jesus Christ was actually born from their lineage. Do you know it doesn't matter who, what, where or why you have been or were. The only thing that counts is if you receive Jesus Christ as your saviour and the spirit of God will enter you. You become part of his bride. You receive the life of God and you have the right to bear the life of God. 
They were from different ethnicities. They were from different tribes. They were from cursed nations. They were immoral. They had lived bad lifestyles. But when they belonged to Jesus Christ, they became part of his bride. And God does not call them bad women. They are the same as everyone else belonging to Jesus. That's what God's doing right now all over the earth. He's choosing people to belong to his bride. She was forgiven. She was found. She was purchased. We've just read there in Ephesians. She is cleansed. The wife is washed with the washing of the water of the word. Have you ever read that and wondered what that means? How do you wash someone with the water of the word? Well, Jesus said to his disciples, when my word enters you, you become clean. When you believe in my word, when you believe what Jesus says to you, the very word of Jesus enters your spirit and whatever sins have been committed, you are cleansed because you believed in his word. Who is the word? Jesus Christ. He is the word of God. When Jesus comes into you, you become clean. Sins are forgiven. The spirit enters you. The bride can then become fruitful. Every single woman in the Bible, even though they were barren, some of them were past age. It was impossible for them to bear children. Some of them weren't married in the case of the Virgin Mary. She couldn't have children legally. Every single reason, whether they couldn't have children, they were barren, they were too old. Some of them were widowed, so they couldn't have children. No one would marry them. Some of them were virgins, so they hadn't got married yet. But every single one of them, when they came to Jesus Christ, they were able to bear children. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel. Rachel, Mary, Anna, all of them received the miracle. Why? Because they belonged to Jesus Christ. They were no longer barren widows. They belonged to the bride. And so they birthed the promises of God in their generation. And it's exactly the same for us today. That's why Jesus always emphasized in his parables and in his actions the, the point of the wedding banquet. So I'll close with this. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man preparing a wedding for his son. The kingdom of heaven is like God the Father preparing a wedding for his son Jesus Christ. He said the invitation has gone out to all the earth. You are all invited. We are all invited to God's great wedding. Because we are all invited to belong to his church and to belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Jesus said although the, the invitations went out, many people refused, gave excuses, and didn't come to the wedding. But those who accepted were taken into the wedding banquet. Jesus even did his first miracle at a wedding where he turned water into wine. So what's your response this morning? The Bible is the story about God calling us to belong to his son, Jesus Christ, as his church, the bride of Christ. What's your response this morning? You'll never get a better invitation. You'll never find anyone as good as Jesus. And you'll never be more special to God than when you accept that invitation and be part of his bride because God loves his bride above all other things. What's your response this morning? I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to come. What's your response? Come on, y'all. Give it up for Pastor Dave.
Powerful. Why don't you bow your heads in this place? Holy Spirit, we just invite you in this moment. God, your word has been spoken. As we're reminded today, God, that we are your bride. And God, even as Pastor Dave just said, invitations have gone out. Invitations there. The feast is on. We just have to respond. Our, our job is to respond to that invitation. Jesus has already done it all. Now he invites us to come and be a part. The Bible would say it's easy. The, the way that we come is that we just admit first and foremost that, that we're sinners, that we've, we've, we've lived the life outside of Christ. The good news, though, is that Jesus comes. He doesn't just find the perfect bride. He makes the bride perfect. This is what he does. If you're here in this place, say, man, I'm far from God. I know I am. You don't have to walk out of here today. You can walk out of here knowing that you're part of his family. You are a part of the bride of Christ. We confess that Jesus is Lord of our life, that he's a savior, that what he did on the cross was things that we couldn't do for ourselves. He came. He took our pain, our punishment, our sin. If you're here in this place, you say, man, I want to have a relationship with God. I know I need that. If that's you, on the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up and say, Pastor Josh, would you pray with me? One, two, three, if that's you. Anybody in this room? Thank you. Thank you. One, two, three, four. Back there in the back. Five. Thank you. Come on. Thank you so much. Now, we're going to just pray this together as a church family. Come on, let's, let's pray this out loud. Whether you've, you've, you've had a committed relationship with God for 20 or 30 years or two or three weeks or just today's your day, I want you to say this with you. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, today I commit my life to you. Thank you for going to the cross to pay for my sin, my shame, and my guilt. Today, I confess you're the Lord and the Savior of my life. Thank you for going to the cross for me, for making a way for me to have a relationship with the Father, a place in heaven, and a purpose on earth. Today, I commit my life to you. Have it all. I'll follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name.